103, verses 9 through 14. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. With that, um, we're going to have a special dedication today. A very special baby dedication. Little baby Sebastian in the back. Hey guys. So we're just going to call Pastor that one up. And he's going to go ahead and lead you guys in that. Hey guys, so grateful to see you. Good morning, Recovery House of Worship. How are you guys doing? So what's a baby dedication? What's a baby dedication? Okay, so um, we, we in, in our church, we don't believe um, to, we don't believe in baptizing infants. And I know that that's very sacred for many of you. Um, but we want you to know that in the Bible, when it speaks about um, being surrendered to Christ, it always speaks about a decision that is made. And we don't think that babies can make that decision. However, what we do believe is that uh, a child can be dedicated, can be not as a good luck charm, not as a, oh, okay, if we do a baby dedication, then they won't get hurt or they won't go in bad direction. But what a baby dedication really is, is accountability for the parents. <clears throat> That's what it really is. So that us as a church, if, as we see these parents bring up this baby, and um, as they come up, come on up, guys. As we see these parents bring this baby, what we're going to say is that we are going to keep you in loving accountability. So, when we, if we ever see these parents take their seven-year-old child to a rated R movie, we're going to say, well, because you came to, uh, to the church and you said you want to dedicate the baby, we're going to say, that's not a God. That is not dedicating the baby unto the Lord. If we see the child uh, 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 using foul language that's, that the child is learning at home, we'll go, well, that's not dedicating the baby unto the Lord. If we, you get what I'm saying? Because we're a family. We're our brother's keeper. And we get to love one another. So we should really be calling it uh, parental dedication. Um, but it's, it's so that we can serve and bless the parents um, as they raise up their child in the Lord. Isn't this exciting? Yes. yes. Right? That was, she was great. Um, this is earlier Melissa Rodriguez. This is baby Sebastian. Um, now, when baby Sebastian was born, how, how uh, heavy was he? What, what was it? He was eight pounds even. Eight pounds even, and how long was he in all that? Twenty and a half inches. Twenty and a half inches. That's wow. amazing. Eight pounds, twenty and a half. You guys, now how long have you guys been um, trying to have a baby? Uh, have you been working on that? Years. Years. Yeah, we're married almost five years. Wow. So God, isn't that a real 
from God. Now, I know that that's foreign in this society. We go, oh man, you know, we don't want to have too many kids. But let me tell you something. Children, listen, take it from a father of five. Children are a gift from the Lord. And so we're grateful that uh, God has blessed uh, Erwin and Melissa with baby Sebastian. So what we're going to do is you're going to symbolically extend your hand to this family, the Rodriguez family, and we're going to pray for them. You're going to pray for safety and blessing, for wisdom. Because how many know you need a lot of wisdom to be a parent in this day of age, right? So we're going to pray for wisdom for them. I'm going to ask you. I'm sorry. Absolutely. And come on in, Kayla. All right. Kayla's going to come in and uh, pray as well. So we're going to pray for this family. Would you pray with us? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the Rodriguez family. I thank you, God, that you, in your time, by your sovereign wisdom, have decided to give them a beautiful child. Lord, we're reminded that this is not their child. It's not our child, it's yours. And Lord, so give them wisdom to steward this child, to manage this child, to raise this child up in the way that he should go. Father, we pray for protection for Sebastian. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would guide and lead him, that he, he would have a soft heart for the things of God. Father, we pray that Erwin, as he raises his family, would be raising his family with devotionals and prayers, that you would lead him to be the pastor of his home, that his wife would long for Jesus because of his leadership, and that his baby would long for Jesus because of his leadership. Father, we pray that as Melissa um, is uh, married to her husband, that, that Sebastian would long to be a part of the church as he sees Melissa as an expression of the church unto the Lord. And so, Lord, I pray for this family, that you would protect them and give them wisdom, help them to be uh, dedicated and have a, a fortified faith in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in everything that they do and that the church would help them as they raise this child. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
And we give it to the one who had nothing but love in his heart. And we say, do it again in us, Lord. Make us love. You love, so make us love. You forgave, so make us forgive. You healed, so heal us and make us healers of others. Because Jesus, there's no other name. No other name. For we pray in that very name.
And it's to that that we're going to give our attention to. Now, I want you to know that as soon as I say God is like a father, all sorts of defenses start coming up. <clears throat> and the reason that when I say God is like a father, the reason that bells don't ring, the reason that your heart doesn't get overflowed with love is because you've had a father. And maybe your experiences with your earthly father made you think of having a heavenly father not a good thing. And so, if, and th by the way, this is universal. All the studies show this. That when you think of God, and when you think, you generally tend to place traits upon God that you had from your father. So if your father was unpleasable, then so is your God. And if your father was abusive, then it's no wonder that you're afraid of God. And if your father showed no emotion, then it's no wonder that you feel like God won't respond to the emotions that you're feeling. So when I say God is your father, there's a lot of things that we have to overcome. So I want to, say, I want to put it out there. God, listen, listen to me. God, he's your father, but he's not your old man. God is your father, not a bigger version than your earthly father, but a perfect version of your earthly father. And it isn't until we kind of get out of the weeds of that that we can understand and appreciate the text that we're going to look at. Now, today we're not going to stand at the reading of God's word. We stand at the reading of God's word simply because God is fantastic and his word is true. And we stand in reverence. But today, I thought it would be more beneficial if we sat and not only heard God, God's word, but watched it as well. Amen. And so, what I want you to do is give your eyes to the screen. We're going to watch this text. And then we'll get right back into it and, and see if we can't learn from it. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there, wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave to him. And when he came to himself, he said... How many hired servants 
of my fathers have bread enough and to spare. I will go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came unto his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his eldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry. and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he, answering his father, said, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. And all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. What Jesus is trying to describe about God in this very passage is that there are three ways to approach God. Three ways. We often think that there are just two ways to deal with God. One, 
is to be a holy roller. If you're a good boy, go to church. If you uh, pray your prayers, talk your Christian words, eat your Christian cookies, then you're, you're in. And there's another way to deal with God. Be a hellraiser. Say, I want nothing to do with you. One is obedience and one is rebellion. That's another way to deal with God. Be a hellraiser. Have nothing to do with God. Curse God and run away. Jesus is saying, no. Jesus is saying that there are two ways to reject God. Two ways. And only one way to come to. That there's a third way. The third way is not somewhere in between the first and the second. The third way is something so altogether different that it'll help you understand the statement that I made earlier. Everything you know about God is wrong. So we look at the text and we see Jesus starting his story here as you just saw there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, listen to me. This is breathtaking. You and I, because we're not in this culture that Jesus is in, everybody who would have been listening to this would have gasped. When he said, when the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Everybody would have went, <gasps> Because in essence, the estate was all that the father had. It was who he was. The land was who he was. It was in his family for generations. And the boy comes up to him and says, give me your estate. But here's the problem. The only way you can get the estate is if the father is dead. And then he gives an inheritance. He would give a double portion to one son, the oldest son, and the younger son would get his inheritance. So basically, the older son would get two-thirds of the land, while the younger son would get one-third. Make sense? Okay. So now, the boy comes and he says, in essence, hey, Dad, drop dead. This is a middle, now in the culture that we're in, it's hard for any father to hear that from his son. In the culture that they're in, it's impossible. The father that Jesus is talking about here is special though, because he's remembered, Jesus is trying to tell you what God is like. And him being God in the flesh, he knows quite a bit. And so he says, I wish you were dead. And so, Rather than the father coming back and saying, no, 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 in a minute, you're going to wish you were dead. <laughs> and if you keep on talking like that, you'll get none of the estate. Rather than the father doing it, the next thing is even more breathtaking. So he, the father, divided up his property between them. This is like the most rebellious kid you can possibly imagine giving him wealth to do whatever he wants. Not long after that, Jesus says, the younger son got together all he had and set off to a distant country where he squandered his wealth in wild living. Is it any surprise that he was a fool 
about how he handled his money. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine and the whole country began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent to his fields to feed pigs, which was, by the way, the low, you couldn't go any lower. There's nothing in contemporary society that you could possibly equate. Like the guys who have the orange jumpsuits who are picking up the trash on the side of the road, they are more respected than the, the pig feeder. When he came to his senses, verse 17, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and the earth. So what happens is he realizes that he blew it. He recognizes that he's not worthy of being his father's son. So what he does is he starts to rehearse his speech. God, Father, Forgive me, I'm not worthy of being your sons. But here's, here's what the Jewish culture was like. The reason he's rehearsing this, he's saying, I'm not worthy of being your son, just making one of your higher hands. Here's what he's saying. In Jewish tradition, if a son rebelled against the father to the degree that this boy did, he would have to pay it back before he was assimilated back into the family. He would have to, he would have to work before he was allowed to come back in to the family. You see, if he took something like he did, the one-third of the wealth, then he couldn't just be brought back in. He couldn't just be accepted as a son. This guy had to learn his lesson. And not only did he have to learn his lesson, he would have to pay back what he took from the father. But something happens that's absolutely miraculous. The son is rehearsing his speech in his mind. He knows, listen, I can't be your son. Just make me, just teach me a trade and I'll pay it off as I grow. And, and, and just treat, treat me like that. Treat me like a hired hand. So he comes and he's rehearsing that speech in his mind. He comes, his father sees him far off and does something unthinkable. He runs. Now you have to understand, it is an undignified thing. Fathers of estates did not run in this time. They simply did not run. A, a, a person who ran would be a servant, certainly a child, maybe a woman, but absolutely never be a father, an owner of an estate. He actually has to lift up his... The, the, the dress that he has, he has to, the tunic, he has to lift it up and expose his knees in order to run. This father is making a fool of himself for a son who does not deserve any affection at all. Come on. The father lifts up his son, and when he gets to the son, the son rehearses the, the speech. And in the middle of his son, even before, what does the father do? The father falls on his neck and kisses him. And he says, get him a new robe. Put my ring on his finger. Here's what he's doing. He's going, listen to me. I want you to notice this because a bunch of you are a bunch of prodigal sons and you've gone far, far from God and you think that you have to pay your way back to God. And I'm telling you, everything you know about God is wrong. God is like a father. Yeah. It's not. 
not a tax collector. He's not a, a lone shark. He's a father. And so, before the son can give his master plan back to his father, the father cuts him off and, says, and starts kissing him and says, you know what? He has filth. I want you to cover his filth with my robe. Because there's filth. It's not that he doesn't have filth. He has filth. But I want you to cover it. Give him my robe. And he lost all his authority when he left to this far country. And he says, give him my ring. All the authority that's mine, I'm going to hand over to him. Give it to him. Because the Father, Jesus is showing us what the Father is like. Then he says, and this is crazy, he says, get the fattened calf. Now you have to understand, this did not happen. This did not happen. Most families in the Middle East would not, at this time, even have meat with their meal. You know how like you are used to having, you know, you have rice and beans and chicken or rice and beans and pork chops or rice and beans with beef or whatever you have your rice and beans with, right? Everybody here has rice and beans, right? <laughs> Only the Puerto Ricans go, yeah, you get it? Every day. Yeah. They wouldn't have protein. They wouldn't have meat. He says, slay the fattened calf. He goes way over the top. He says, this is my son. So here's what we learn about God as we see Him. That your perfection is not what matters to God. It's God's love for you. It's not that you pursue God, but that God pursues you. You have to know, later on, in the argument that the older son has, you have to know that, and especially if you grew up in a small town, you know how this works, right? Everything that happens to everybody is common knowledge of everybody else, right? So his son knows what he's been doing, his older son. So this is common knowledge. They know how bad he's been, that he's ruined, he's lost everything. Here's what you need to know. If you're far from God, if you're a hellraiser, if you fall into that hellraiser category, I want you to know that it's not in you paying God back does that make you on good terms with God. But it's in God racing, running, and paying the penalty himself for you. That while your sin is like scarlet, he will wash it white as snow. And I know that some of you, some of you have some city miles on you. Some of you have gone a wrong road. You've done the wrong thing. And you don't believe me when I tell you. I'm telling you, Jesus is trying to tell you something. Mm. It's not the good people are out. I mean, the good people are in and the bad people are out. That's not it. Jesus tells a parable about his father. Because you know what? God is like a father. And we would think, well, wow, that's all there is to learn about this parable. But there really isn't a prodigal son. There is a prodigal son. That's right. And we'll see how in the next part of the story, how Jesus presents. There's a second way to rebel against God. There's another way to turn from God. There's another way to deal with God and still have nothing to do with him. But the father said to his servants, quick, 
bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill him. Let's fast and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. So they began to celebrate, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. What was the older son doing? Working, doing what all studious uh, uh, sons do. They're in the field, working the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him, What was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, look at, look at me, look at me. There are two sons that don't come back to the house. One son doesn't come back to the house because he's too busy living badly. And one son comes back, doesn't come back to the house because he's too busy being self-righteous. See, he was working in the field. He was doing what the father had asked him. But the difference is nothing. Because neither one of them had a relationship with the father. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, verse 29. But he answered his father, look, now, look at me. This is probably the most disrespectful way to, um, to address your father. He goes, the way it comes across is like, he doesn't even call him father. He goes, look, you, look. He wants, he, his relationship with the father, it's interesting. It's disrespectful as well. All these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders. You never, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, hey dad, did you not hear? Didn't you get the word? It was with prostitutes. And he comes home. You killed the fat calf for him. Stop looking at me. You see, what happens is that when you run away from God, you know you're a mess. You know you messed up. You know you didn't do it the way God wanted you to do, and now you're a mess. You know how you know you're a mess? Because there are bars in front of you. Or a judge in front of you. Or, or, or you know, you're, now you're having a baby, a baby with the guy you don't want to have a baby with, right? Or, or now you're, see, when you go away from God in the way that the first son, the, the younger son, goes away from God, there's an awakening that happens, right? But there are those who can be in a church like this for 50 years and be as far from God as that one is. And yet never admit it or want to know it. He says, you know why? Because when you're religious, you want your rights. You see, God isn't a father to you. God is a rewarder to you. 
do you put in the hours and he pays the wages? You put in all the work and God pays you off. Which is why I have so many conversations with people from this church going, but, but, but I, I came to church and I read my Bible and, and the marriage didn't work out. Or I came to church and I prayed and I asked God to heal the boy and the boy still died. I'm going to go away from God. You see, the fact is, is that both boys didn't want the father. They only wanted the father's stuff. And there were two ways to get the father's stuff. One is say, drop dead, give me what's mine, I'm out of here. And the other one was, I'm going to stay right here, do everything you want, you want me to do, and wait for you to die so that I can have the rest of the stuff. There's two ways to rebel against God. One looks like reading your Bible, and the other looks like burning your Bible, but they both look like rejecting God. Come on. The son comes. I mean, the father comes and he says, my son. No. What the father could have said is the father could have said, listen to me. You, who are you talking to? You talk to me like that again and that two-thirds will start dwindling. You don't talk to me like that. But remember, Jesus is telling us how God is like. You see, God is not what you think. God is bigger than you think. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than you can think. My son and father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because of this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And it ends. What happens to the big brother? Does he come into the feast? Does he reconcile with the parents? Jesus never says. Because do you remember who Jesus is speaking to? Jesus is speaking to sinners and Sadducees. He's speaking to hell raisers and holy rollers. Jesus is speaking. And in the end of the story, for as much as we know, the hell raiser is in and the holy roller is out. For as much as we know, the rebel is in and the religious is out. Everything you know about God is wrong. Because you can pursue God to get your real God what you really want. Come on. You can pursue God to get what you want rather than pursue God for God. I want you to know that the reward for pursuing Jesus is Jesus. And that if health doesn't come, then that's fine. And if that thing that you feel so tempted about, the thing that you give yourself the identity over, listen to me, listen to me. Some of you have labels on yourself. And you pursue God so that he could get rid of that label. So that he could have different desires. And God said, no, 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 no. You don't pursue me for my land. You pursue me for me. I am my happy. I am my own happy ending, God would say. I am my own great reward. There are two ways to rebel against God. There's a third way. And the third way, listen to me. The way to come to God with absolutely nothing 
You don't come demanding your rights, you come grateful for what he has given. See, I feel bad for this younger brother, don't you? Because the truth is, who paid for the meal? Who paid for the meal? Does anybody know? The, the meal that the brother was eating, the younger brother was eating, who paid for that meal? You see, you think it's the father, but remember, the father liquidated one-third, meaning two-thirds, was to the son. See, the problem is, and the reason he's so upset, is because that's not the father's calf. In essence, it's his. That's his calf. He, the brother, it can't be his because he already squandered his. You see, the truth is, is that he's angry because he, the, younger, the young brother has an older brother that is angry because he had to pay for the son for the younger son to come back. Come on. Listen to me. Listen to me. I feel bad for that kid. I feel bad for the kid who has an older brother who's not willing to pay. But you and me, you and me, we got an older brother. We got an older brother that saw us leave the father's house and go off to a far country and sin in ways that were despicable and things that we don't want to bring up and secrets that we want to keep forever. But our older brother didn't just stay at home enjoying the riches of the Father. Our older brother came from heaven to earth. Jesus came to the far country. And he wasn't satisfied with watching us eat our pigsty, but in fact, brought us back to himself and he didn't provide a lamb, he became the lamb. Not at the cost of his wallet, but the cost of his life. Jesus is our older brother who gives us relationship back with the Father. Jesus is the one who pays it all. 